once again to In the Finest Hour, a 40k competitive podcast about teaching you skills and tactics you can use in about an hour. I am, as always, your host, Sean Morgan, sometimes known as Abuse Puppy, and I have with me on my right, Shaylin Allen, the good podcast host. Greetings. And on my left, Joshua Death, the evil podcast host. Yoeth. Welcome back, Josh. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I am so happy to be back. Those... The hot takes were keeping me, you know, they're they're keeping my my addiction at bay. But I really needed a strong fix. Well, I think we can we can probably get you propped up good and proper here this time. Promise I won't hit you with a demon hammer. Good, good. That's uh, it's lying, Grey Knights. Three damage that he doesn't need. <laughs> I have a, a question to throw out to you here to start things off. Oh. What do you listen to when you play 40k, or when you work on 40k? What I'm listening to is the drudging sounds of a game store when I'm playing it, or Sean's creepy basement noises, depending on where I am. Usually just cats yowling for attention. Yeah, but there are other noises, like Mm -hmm. the hose. Mm -hmm. You're supposed to send them away before you play. Oh, you mean hose, like, okay. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, you actually want them kind of, like, hanging off, like, kind of, you know. Hey, Sean. <laughs> when are you going to be done with this, honey? That is exactly what you translate the cat noises to. Yes. So, for those that are listening, you just heard Sean's real voice for the first time ever on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Not artificially enhanced the way it usually is. I spend two hours doing that every night. Yeah, a surprising amount of work. <laughs> what do you listen to when you hobby? I type the phrase epic music into YouTube, and I select something that's one to two hours long, and I just let it go. Okay. Josh, how about yourself? I actually have about, like, 19 or 20 different playlists. Oh, yeah? On my iPhone or my whatever iPod, uh, tablet, whatever I have with me at the time. And uh, it ranges from everything from classic rock to country to heavy metal to rap. Mm -hmm. And I just kind of bounce around between playlists. But the one I seem to gravitate the most towards when I'm painting specifically, like when I'm hobbying, Mm -hmm. is kind of similar to Shaylin. I call it my epic playlist. And it's just a lot of really awesome uh soundtracks it's really like heavy in soundtracks like uh, hans zimmer john williams oh yeah mm-hmm. yeah james warner you know a lot of the really great soundtrack style composers i just really like that epic style uh soundtrack because it's also no lyrics so it's easy to kind of have in the background and you're not trying to focus on it sure mm-hmm. when i'm playing i'm a huge 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 fan i i seem to use classic rock a lot for this but anything that i, I would consider anthem style music you know like the the music that just pumps you up right Mm-hmm. yeah that's when i'm playing i love that kind of music because i just i just feel like i'm makes every moment in a game epic <laughs> right i can't listen to music when i play partly because it's just way too much more extra stimulation oh i can imagine yeah that makes sense yeah i either will just like kick open spotify youtube pandora kind of whatever i got handy mm-hmm. and kind of you know spider web my way out from there just whatever gets my fancy at any given moment there, because I tend to cycle through lots of different kinds of music. Or I will throw on episodes of Mystery Science Theater, which Hmm. is actually really good for kind of like having the background, because you don't really have to be watching the movie to enjoy it. It doesn't take a whole lot of attention. It's just sort of like something in the background there. So I find that's really good for me when I'm doing hobby stuff. I cannot have shows or movies on if I'm trying to do anything relevant. Sure. 
I know it's very distracting for some people. My first wife used to, because she painted a lot, and she used to paint, like, miniatures, you know, figures. And she would paint mm-hmm. two movies, and it drove me nuts because I can't actually have the, anything on the TV mm-hmm. while I'm painting. Because I will literally just sit with the paintbrush in my hand and watch it. Oh, okay. And the paint will just go dry. Right. The worst part is she watched, like, the same four movies over and over and over. <laughs> To the point where these four movies are actually, like, almost, they're insanely hard for me to watch now. Right. Because I've seen, like, there's just, like, this just nails in my eyes, which sucks, because they're really good movies. <laughs> like, A Knight's Tale with Heath Ledger. Oh. Okay, yeah. I loved that movie. I totally can't watch that ever. Like, I, the movie's ruined. Yeah, you... The first Lord of the Rings. She ruined the first Lord of the Rings for me. Oh. Not fair. If anything is unforgivable in that marriage, it's that right there. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, that's the the big takeaway from all of that. <laughs> if it helps, my ex-boyfriend was much the same way, and I cannot watch any of the Toy Stories now. No. Oh, how could you ruin Toy Story, man? Buzz! Talking about Buzzkill. Well, there's a new one, so maybe that one will be ah! unruined. <laughs> all right i think we need to move as far away from possible from from that joke so let's let's jump into the the main subject of our episode here which is orcs i thought it was dad jokes no <laughs> that is the common subject of our episodes but not the specific subject of this episode fair enough no, we're going to be talking about the orcs lists, and in particular, the fairly typical orc horde list that you tend to see that features a lot of kind of the all-stars of the army. Mm-hmm. You get your your weird boys, your war boss, usually uh, one or more Big Macs, a pain boy, 90 to 120 boys, a whole bunch of Gretchen, maybe some shooting in the form of Ludas or something like that. Uh, mm-hmm. But what you could kind of coin as the typical orc list these days. The one that has all of the usual suspects. Yes. This is not the only orc list. There have been some people doing some very interesting divergent versions of things. Mm-hmm. The one that will allow you to get a lot of the right tools you need to beat some of the others as well. This is the list where, again, we talk about the building block components. This features a lot of the strong components from the orc codex. Yeah. Unlike in some of the other uh, faction-focused episodes, we're not going to talk as much about, like, the very specific units and stuff within them, because there is so much variability here. Mm -hmm. We're really going to talk more about the stuff that you're going to see most or all of the time. Yes. Most versions of this list are running with, like I said, like, 90 to 120 boys, a bunch of Gretchen, and evil sons. Yes, and so there's a reason for that. Those are kind of like the, the high point features. And then the other stuff you'll see is like five to 700 points of kind of like pick your support characters and pick your shooting units and your backups and, you know, which direction do you take the list in. But that's really kind of the core of the army. And there's a pretty easy reason for that. And the, the reason is that the Orc Boy is a incredibly efficient unit. He is cheap, which is a good use of any unit. He is relatively tough. I mean, toughness four is useful. Doesn't really have an armor save, but he makes up for it for having way too many friends to give a crap. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people complained when the orc boy went to seven points instead of six, but honestly, they're still really, really good. 
Yeah. You get so much stuff for those seven points that, like, you're hard-pressed to find any other troop choice in the game that is more efficient than that. The only other troop choice in the game that I would have to put on par, and, and I put them on par, not that they are better, I, the best I can do is on par, because it's almost an apples and oranges comparison, is Plague Bears. Mm-hmm. Mm. Other than that, the Orc Boy is by far the best point-for-point basic troop choice in the game. Yeah, I would say they are the more proactive version of Plague Bearers, basically. Yep, very much so. And they they just have a lot going for them. They, they're pretty decent shooting, great combat. Like, there's not much else you could ask for, really. And adding in a simple character makes them also fast. Yes, uh, because that's another big thing. They have some really, really good buff characters. Uh, dude, the orcs, orcs have some of the best character synergy in the game. They do. The war boss is huge, because not only is he cheap, clocking in about 85 points or less for some versions, Yeah. Um, but he lets you advance and charge. That synchronizes really well with a lot of the other stuff that orcs want to be doing. But they also have weird boys who are very cheap and very powerful psychers. Mm-hmm. They have pain boys who give them six up feel no pain on, you know, 30 or 60 boys at a time. They have the big mech who can give five up invulns to basically everything in the army if they really want to. They do have to keep the whole unit within nine inches in order ah. to get the, the force field now. Mm-hmm. But there is a stratagem that once per game lets them push that distance out to 18 inches. And it's not that hard to fit your whole army within 18 inches. No, it's not. Most of the time, you really are only needing that for one turn. Yes. Uh, one, of my, one of our buddies who plays orcs very, very commonly will pop prepared positions on turn one and then the force field on turn two. And that's two full turns of a five-up save. Yep. At that point, you should be in combat and causing havoc. And there were more characters. Like, those are not all of their characters. They have more options. Oh, no. God, they have so many. And they are all priced very aggressively. Most of them are quite good in a fight. Yep. And many of them have some very powerful utility options that you can add on. Yes. And that's kind of the bones of orcs at the end of the day. They're good in a fight, as they should be. Yes. Any orc unit is a threat to you in combat. Absolutely. Well, and that's actually what I was just about to say is, one of the things that I play, if I'm having to do that comparison of the kind of apples and oranges, Plague Bear versus Orc Boy, mm -hmm. the part for me that actually sets the Orc Boy above the Plague Bear is their shooting. Yep. The fact that I can put a shooter in the hands of an Orc Boy, and now those 30 boys in a unit become a multi-threat unit. Mm -hmm. Yes. Orc boys with shooters are probably, like, the easiest sort of, like, example of their hybrid units. Is like, it punches hard and also shoots hard. But a lot of their other units fall into that category as well. Is you know, their bikes are getting six shots apiece. Mm -hmm. Most of their characters can throw down four shots pretty easily. You can get very cheap and efficient special and heavy weapons on a lot of different units. Yeah, partly because the orcs are paying for crap accuracy. Or crap accuracy in quotes. Yeah. They usually get cheaper weapon options, and we'll mention the shock attack guns specifically later in the episode, but... Yes. There's a lot of good stuff there. Yeah. Quantity over quality. Yes, and the reality of that is, like, that's how you want to play 40k anyways. That's part one of the reasons that orcs benefit so much from it anyways, is, like, people get focused on, like, ooh, this unit hits on twos with a reroll, and it's like, that's great, but if you only have, like, one or two shots... Hmm. Okay, that's fine. But 
I'll take a squad of Ludas over, you know, three Aqualon Terminators any day of the week. Yeah, because orcs are tossing so many dice, they are one of the Arby's that starts to lean into actual statistical averages. Yes. You're getting enough sample size. When you roll 45 or 90 dice, you'll come pretty close to the statistical average. It's going to be very rare for you to get two-thirds hits on 45 dice. There was actually a list that I uh, we played around with the very early 8th edition, and the, the concept of the list that we played around with was there was like 30 or 35 lavas or something. It was an obscene number of lavas. Oh, yeah. Which back in the day, though, obviously, as those remember back in the early 8th edition, there was, you know, the lavas were their own unit. You'd buy six of them in a unit, but they'd all break up into separate units. And then they all had like a three or four man crew or something that all ran with them. And they all broke up into separate units. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, you had, I'm not joking, you, you actually had more units, like significantly more units, and you had four sorg slots in your army. Mm-hmm. And what it came down to is when we started running the numbers, most regular, normal-style competitive armies literally could not roll enough dice in six turns of a game to actually kill it. Like, you literally didn't have enough dice rolls to actually kill that many models. Yes. And that's what it came down to, is you've got that Aquilon Terminator unit that gets five shots, and they all hit on twos re-rolling, but that still means the most you can do is kill five dudes each turn. Yeah. Yeah. This is actually a point that Mitch Pelham at Best in Factions made a couple times, and I really, I sit with him pretty strongly on this. Bodies have a value in and of themselves completely irrespective of how good that body is. Yes. And orcs are very good at bringing bodies to the table. I have never tabled an orc list. I I don't really think it's possible. I have. Yeah, but you were also I... playing a guy who didn't bring any Gretchen, I don't think, did he? I think he did. He had one unit of Grotz. Okay, yeah, one unit. Oh. Right, what you much more typically see is lists that have, you know, 90, 120, 150 boys, and then 60 or 90 Gretchen behind it. And 180 bodies is a lot. 240 bodies is unmanageable. Mm -hmm. You will not kill that many bodies, and not with the characters and everything else going on at the same time. Yeah, it's it's unreal. There are a handful of armies that could come close to pushing it, and certain pure Grey Knight list builds are probably the one of the few top contenders there, but they're stupid rare. Possible to table orcs. In a high competitive setting, and I emphasize in a high competitive setting, and what I mean by that is... You know, if you're playing like the upper mid tables to top tables at a tournament, Mm -hmm. even if your army has the potential, the damage output to be able to actually kill that many orcs, yeah, a good orc player, they're just not going to let you. Because obviously at that point, they're going to be like, okay, well, they've got literally boatloads of buckets of dice at this point. I'll run an orc army and I'm going to put the 30% of my army and I'm just going to run them cagey and I'm going to hide them and I'm going to run line of sight so that... You know, at that point, you're only engaging two-thirds of the list, where a third of it just is infesting the table like rats. Yes. And so at that point, now you're literally like a freaking you're having to go building to building, sweeping orc, little tiny orc units and Gretchen squads out of these buildings, and you just can't get it done in six turns. I think that's more what Sean was referencing, is the fact that mm-hmm. you're, you, when you're trying to fight some of these higher-end competitive orc armies, it's, it's literally like pulling teeth trying to get these little hunkered-down units out of these buildings. Yeah. 
Yeah, and that's actually another really important thing to remember about facing orcs, is the amount of board control they have. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- with all of those characters, with all those Gretchen units, to say nothing of all the boys that are around them, they will be able to take control of huge sections of the board from the very early game. And you are going to struggle to get it back from them. That actually mm-hmm. is two of the emphasis points in orcs that I love the most and it's very different from earlier editions of Orcs, mm-hmm. is one of the biggest lacks they used to have was mobility, especially when you ran the big mobs. And two things they have massively going for them now is obviously the jump, yeah, yeah, which is stupid levels of good. You can take a 30-man unit and literally just re-deep strike it anywhere on the table. And then they have the unending green tide. Yeah. It's, for those that obviously don't know what it does, it's the one that as long as... The unit is below half strength and not wiped out at the start of your movement phase, I think. Start of movement. You use it during your movement. And then it triggers at the end, right? Yeah. Yep. But you get to remove the whatever's left of the unit from the table and then just redeploy it anywhere within six inches of a table edge and not within nine inches of any model at full strength. So you just get to regen the whole damn squad and bounce them across the table. Yep. The sheer mobility and that in the entire army is pretty much going to be constantly advancing and charging as well. Just the sheer levels of mobility. Yeah. Orcs do have incredibly powerful stratagems. Yeah. Green Tide is one of the huge ones. Mm-hmm. It does have a limitation on it. You have to have an orc unit below half strength. But there are a lot of ways you can manipulate that. The mob rule that they have that allows them to take their leadership off of the strength of the squad is optional. Mm-hmm. They are not required to use that, which means if you kill, say, 10 orcs out of a squad, mm-hmm. they can be like, okay, that's cool. I'm going to go ahead and use the, the leadership of my leadership six character who's standing over here. Oh, and uh, I lost five more orcs, and now I can use Green Tide. And suddenly you have a huge unit of orcs pouring into your backfield. That's a problem. Mm-hmm. But then they also have stuff like Mordaka, which allows them to put out a lot of firepower. Mm-hmm. And firepower that is often unaffected by many of the hit penalties that are out there. So, you know, just sort of bypassing stuff that Eldar Flyers or Raven Guard or whatnot do. That's yeah. really big. Well, to be clear here, Mordaka means that they just automatically hit on a five or six, and then yes. they get to re-roll to see if they get more hits every time they hit. Yes. All right, Sean. I, I had a question in regards to uh, one of the one of the, the comments you just made a minute ago that really kind of got me thinking there for a second. Yeah. So the mob rule is is an optional rule. Is that correct? Yes. If I remember reading the mob rule correctly, correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. but uh, it says that you may use the number of models in a unit in an orc unit that it has the same rule. You can use the number of models in that unit instead of your leadership. Is that correct? Yes. So my, my my thought is, could you have an orc boy unit use the leader use the number of models in, let's say, a weird boy unit as their leadership? Don't believe you can. Yeah, I'm curious about that. I do not have one in front of me. I'm going to check that, and we'll come back to that idea. So here is what I believe the rule says, that you can use the number of models in this unit, or you can use the leadership of another unit of, you know, orcs. I don't believe that you can use the number of models leadership of a single model thing, but you can use their native leadership, which is often quite low. I think, yeah, that sounds right. 
But yes, being able to manipulate morale in that way is incredibly strong. They can choose to either have very good or very bad morale, depending on which is more advantageous for them. That's huge, because it allows them to manipulate model counts and pull off other shenanigans like that. They do have some, a lot of things that trigger based on model counts, so it's a very useful tool. Absolutely. They also have a lot of the other really effective kind of like tempo-esque effects. We already mentioned the fact that they have to jump, which is obviously really big, and green tide to allow them to reposition, but they also have some of the shoot and fight twice stratagems, as well as fight on death for their characters. That's really huge. Those are extremely powerful for an army that wants to be making use of that. That is monster huge. And that's to say nothing of, like, all the utility stratagems they have, because they have a million, like, good little utility stratagems. They can charge a vehicle 3d6 inches. They have ways to give more free psychic powers. They have just tons and tons of really great little effects that they can pull off for, like, one or two CP. Yeah, and that said, their psychic table, super good. Yeah. They have one of the best psychic tables in the game. They have excellent buffs, plus one attack for a whole unit, plus two strength and plus one attack for a character. The jump, obviously, they have some pretty decent attack powers. Orcs are kind of, like, spoiled rotten, and, you know, their warlord traits and relics are great, too. They have, like, everything good you can want out of Codex. They have. Mm-hmm. It's why it's one of the strongest codexes. It's why they just won the Gentleman's GT. Yep. The last thing I kind of wanted to throw in that, like, a lot of people don't think about as much, but is actually super relevant, is the orc cultures. Yeah. The one you see all the time is Evil Sons. Oh, huge. Which is incredibly good. Plus one movement, plus one advance, plus one charge. That's huge. That adds um, basically three inches to yeah, an orc. Three inches per turn is really big when you're also getting to re-roll failed charges, either or both dice, and ignore the penalty for advancing with assault weapons. Mm-hmm. Like, all that in one package is incredible. But the other orc cultures are all also really good. Mm-hmm. We've seen a big resurgence in Death Skulls recently. Oh, yeah. Gives them a six-up invuln and can re-roll one miss, one failed wound, and one damage roll per phase mm -hmm. for each unit. When you're just taking, like, MSU orcs and just spamming out, like, 20 or 30 or 40 units in an army, that's big. That's a lot of bonuses there. Yep. Also gives you objective secured on all of your infantry and biker units. Yeah. Which is big. Objective secured on characters is really useful. Yeah. And it also, it's like, conceptually, it's like sitting there just says, well, I'm holding this with a knight. Doesn't matter, I got any orc over there. Yeah, literally any model in my army will steal that out from under you. Right. And that's a big part of what makes orcs so good. So, Sean, I had the codex here, and I actually went and looked it up mm -hmm. because I was really curious, and I wanted to read this one to you and get your opinion on it. Sure. Because this one sounds a little interesting to me because I think we may have found a little, little secret tech here that could be handy for an orc player. Fire away. So, Mob Rule says... When using the leadership characteristic of this unit, you can use either its own leadership characteristic, yeah. or you can choose for the characteristic to be equal to either the number of models in the unit or the number of models in another friendly unit within six inches that has this ability. Hmm. Okay, so yeah, you could go with a, uh, a single model... Leadership one. Yep. Interesting. Okay. So if you needed to get a few guys dead, like, I mean, it's obviously at the end of the turn, too, so you know what your magic number is, right? I know how many guys I lost. Let's say I lost seven guys in the unit. 
and I'm trying to get it down to below that 15 mark to get my uh, green tide. But I'm going to use leadership one for that weird boy right there to make sure I lose, you know, a good number of guys just to be able to get these guys repopped. Yep. Or to mob up or whatever. Yes, that's potentially very strong. Now, to be fair, they can only do that if they don't have a war boss nearby because the war boss is not optional. <laughs> Breaking heads. <laughs> He will kill D3 guys instead of failing that leadership check. Yes. But if you're not in range of the war boss, then that can potentially be a very useful trick. That's called pulling your models carefully. Yes. And yeah, like, it's those kind of shenanigans that can make orcs very powerful. That they have these abilities to manipulate all kinds of things, be it their leadership, psychic tests, as they can, you know, change the, the bonuses they get there and potentially be casting at a huge bonus compared to their opponent. Mm-hmm. Or their movement tricks on the board that allow them to control huge sections of the board. Because that's really important. Like, if you're playing ITC, controlling the board is how you win the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and orcs are very good at the primary mission on ITC because not only are they very good at controlling the board and thus holding more objectives, but they're also very good at not giving up kills because they have these huge 30-man units. That you have to kill down to a man or it's going to respawn and become a problem. Yep, because killing 29 orcs doesn't do a damn thing. Mm-hmm. I wanted to kick in that all these things that we're mentioning, this character does this or... You know, the number of models you put in a range for the Weird Boys allows you to manipulate your bonuses. You Example, like the one we just figured out with the, you know, using a, a Weird Boy or a Pain Boy or something for the Leadership 1. All of these things, mm-hmm. if you, you really start to look at this, there's a lot, as we mentioned, there's a lot of synergy, but there's a lot of very precise play involved here. Unlike a lot of the times in the past where orcs were just kind of like, I got 200 dudes and I'm going that way. Right. There's a lot, a lot, massive amount of very precision play with these, like Sean mentioned. Yeah. The Big Mac only works on number of models. A whole unit has to be arranged where the War Boss works on the unit, not models, you know? So you really uh, you really have to be precise. So this is one of those armies where they have a lot of bonuses. We've, we've mentioned a truckload. See what I did there? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> they have a metric ton of all of these awesome things that make their army amazing and all these synergies but if you're gonna run this this is one of those times i can't emphasize enough that you really need to practice the daylights out of this because there's so much that you need to dial in yeah that if you get into a tournament either you're gonna be screwing it up Mm. or you're gonna get tabled like your your opponents are just gonna roll you because you're gonna like oh crap i got one guy in that unit a half inch out of the force field and they're all dead now. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to kind of caveat that because we, we've been mentioning all these awesome things. And I just want people to realize that the orcs aren't like they used to where you just drop them and go. There's a lot of precision involved now. It's would, a finesse army. I'm not sure I would say a finesse army because it can soak mistakes. Unlike an army like Eldar, if you lose 10 models, you're fine. You don't care. Yeah, yeah. But it's definitely an army that has a very high skill cap. Yes. There is a lot that you need to do correctly in order to use the army to its full potential. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And when things start going wrong, they can go wrong really, really badly. But before we get to that, I think we should take a little break, grab some delicious MREs, and catch you guys in the second half where we talk about how orcs can lose. Chicken a la king. <laughs> You might be having chicken. I'm going to have wine with the captains. (laughs) 
they don't let me up there anymore. You know, they also don't let you have wine anymore. <laughs> Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god! Let me tell you about this amazing tournament I went to last year. It was the Boardroom Brawl GT in Grand Forks, Canada. This year, they're doing it again, August 3rd and 4th, and includes a post-game barbecue on Saturday, which is the best social thing ever. Also, fantastic terrain that is just super cool and kooky and engaging, and some of the most finest players you will ever meet. Totally worth the trip to Canada for. Please go, guys. They're Northwest Area Gamers. If you're looking for a major ITC event happening in the later end of the year here, think about Stumptown Stomp. It's a charity event, and at only $55, the majority of which does go to charity, you can get in for two full days of gaming on November 16th and 17th, and it comes with a potluck lunch on the first day of the event. There are a variety of prizes, raffled as well as awarded, for both painting, sportsmanship, overall, and generalship. So come on down to Guardian Games and give it a spin. And we are back, having filled our bellies and our souls. I'll take that. That was more like Chicken a la Prince, really. Hmm, Chicken a la Lord. Yeah, there was, there was not a lot of king. Chicken a la Court Jester. <laughs> no, that'll be later. Yeah. That'll be later. <laughs> I shouldn't have to tell you guys, but I had steak, so whatever. Yeah, I'm gonna whine about that. <laughs> uh, whine. Uh, I get it. <laughs> so let's talk a little more about orcs here because the the first half we discussed a lot about like how orcs are the most unbeatable best army in the entire game but as shaylin pointed out they do have some problems. good now let's beat them and um, surprising counter matchups yes uh there are not all good matchups as it turns out I think the thing I find with orcs, probably one of the most limiting factors, is that they tend to only have a very finite number of solutions to a given problem. Mm -hmm. An orc army has a lot of its points kind of just accounted for in basic units, which means that their specialist tools tend to be like two or three things in the whole army. Yeah. So it's like, if you want to take out a tank at a range that is not one inch, they probably have one unit that can do that. Mm -hmm. maybe two or three but typically it there's it's not a lot and they may not have any units at all it is very common for them to have no major shooting units yeah so if you want someone to really specialize in busting tanks uh-huh you you need a uh tank shooting unit uh, there's a good there's a good name there's a good name in there somewhere oh bust tankers that's it. That's an orc name if I ever heard one. Yeah. <laughs> but, the, you know, they do have tank busters, looters, 
the shock attack gun, various kinds of mech guns. These are all good long-range shooting units. Yeah. But they do tend to be very fragile, and they do tend to have fairly limited profiles in terms of, like, what they're actually going to be good against. Ludas are not good at killing knights, especially not knights with a two-up armor save. Yeah. And the other units will also have similar problems. A shock attack gun, not actually great at killing, like, Blightlord Terminators and stuff like that. Yeah, right. Because it's like you're having to get through the invuln, the feel no pain, all this kind of stuff. You're not getting that many shots. All of the orc shooting units and kind of solution units in general have significant downsides that can be exploited. Depending on what kind of targets they're shooting at and other things like that. Yes, orcs dislike shooting at things in cover ever. Yes. They Um, don't have any anti-cover solutions at all. Not really. Yeah, Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. It's called assault. I'm going to throw orcs at it. Right, and that, and it turns out that is their solution to most problems. Yes. Is I'm going to throw a whole lot of boys at it and hope that works. And a lot of times it will, but that doesn't always happen when you need it to. Because there is another part of that that, like, throwing boys at problems often solves them if the boys can get there. Yes, and this is why we go back to having the awkward matchups, is they do not appreciate getting shoved full of Stormbolter shots for days. Or any shooting unit, really. Mm -hmm. But they need to get there first, and then they can hurt you. And in some deployments, that's hard. Yeah, long deployments are like the worst for an orc army, and we've got two long deployments, and arguably the corners can be used as long. Yeah. So that's two-thirds of the deployments are just not good for you. Yes, for most orc armies, both the corner deployments and the long deployments are kind of problematic not insoluble but they definitely offer some significant challenges Mm -hmm. Uh, and as shaylin already kind of mentioned if you can just sort of like hit them with small arms fire their boys start dying pretty fast i could reliably get three to four 30 orc boy units off a table with a certain gray knight build it was that hard for them yes per turn Um, you can throw a lot of bullets at them They don't have saves worth a dang, so... Yeah, because they're six-ups, maybe five-ups if they're lucky, and even lasguns do a lot of work against them, which is like, every army in the game has those basic guns. It's just something you will see. And they're usually on units you have to take to get CP, so you're gonna bring them. Yep. Well, and the game right now is very horde-inclined, so people are building to kill these big units. Mm Mm-hmm. So another one that I know that Josh has uh, pointed out in the past and has uh, kind of taken up as a personal thing is the uh, characters in the Orc Army. Oh, yeah. Which are very powerful, but that is also a potential failure point. Yes, because so much of the army hinges on the synergies created by those characters, if you have a way to isolate and take those characters out of the game, and it doesn't necessarily mean kill them, mm-hmm. but take them out of the game, take their effectiveness, their synergy, or their whatever away then that is it's almost as good as the the proverbial Achilles heel. Because if you take it out, you can almost cripple the army mm-hmm. yeah. in a single blow. It's it's amazing how strong it is to be able to drop them. Well, yeah. Yeah, because a unit of Evil Sun's boys with a war boss is moving six, advancing probably five more, and then charging probably nine more. That's a huge reach. Yeah. But a unit of Evil Sun's boys without a war boss move six. Yep. And that's a lot easier to deal with. 
Mm-hmm. And that's true for many of their units. If you can get rid of their weird boy, suddenly their units all have to play where they are on the table. They don't get to just bounce anywhere they want anytime they want. That's a lot more dealable. Mm-hmm. And those weird boys have a very finite lifespan because they were usually suffering perils of the warp. They've got like a three-turn counter before their psychers are mostly all gone. And if you can speed that process up or get rid of them or deny their powers, that puts them in a really tight place. And all of their characters have these weaknesses that they are kind of like innately limited in various ways. But also, they're super fragile. Uh, The orc chassis is built around the six-up save. Hey, hey, their characters often get down to a four-up save. Guess what? My snipers will still shoot you off the table real fast. Yeah, as everyone knows, you always just pass four-up saves when you need to. (laughs) As shield drones. Just charging into combat with a war boss, if he's at one or two wounds, he might just die before he gets there. And even if he's at his full six wounds, like, he charges into a squad, he takes one or two on the way in, Mm -hmm. he charges into another squad, he takes one or two more, suddenly he's almost dead. Yeah. Orcs are not durable on a body-for-body basis. They rely on number of bodies, and that's why their characters are so cheap, because they just sort of, like, go away as soon as you think about them. And that is why so many times for really high-end competitive orc armies... A lot of their characters are relegated to their support role, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Because they're too valuable, massively too valuable in that force multiplier role that they can't risk putting them up there to die. It's true. But on the other hand, a lot of those characters need to be at the front lines to support the orc boys. Yep. Uh, yeah. Which puts them in a very awkward place of like, I can't put my characters forward, and they'll die, but if I don't put my characters forward, they're not doing their job. Mm-hmm. Uh, And that's actually a major vulnerability of the army, and ITC specifically, is that they give up a lot of secondary points. We mentioned how good they are playing on the primary, which allows them to uh, largely just sort of, like, kill more, hold more in the early turns of the game. But on secondaries, they do not do well. They bleed. They will give up all 12 of them every turn. Pretty consistently, yeah. Obviously, Reaper, very easy choice against an Ark army. There's no such thing as an Ark army that doesn't qualify for Reaper, really. Headhunter. (laughs) Headhunter, because they do need to put those characters forward in vulnerable positions. And kind of like a Blood Angels army or, you know, something using Smash Captains or other similar characters, they need to move those war bosses up aggressively in order to be doing their job. Otherwise, they're just kind of like two or three hundred points of tax on the list. And they can't really afford to be throwing away that many points. Mm-hmm. So they're usually giving up Headhunter. Their war bosses need to be the Warlord in many cases. So yep. they are also giving up full Kingslayer. They are very vulnerable to giving up a lot of points. Mark for Death, Big Game Hunter. Yeah, as I was say, since Mark for Death doesn't... It doesn't stack with Reaper anymore. But even orc armies that, you know, are a little bit divergent and are running something like Dakajets or mech guns or stuff like that, uh, they're also very vulnerable to Mark for Death. You will usually have 12 points of relatively easy objectives against orcs. Mm -hmm. Let's talk a little bit about the squads of boys and dealing with them. Because, like Shaylin mentioned, like, yeah, you can kill a lot of boys, but if you're killing them the wrong way, that actually ends up being kind of counterproductive because you have all that green tide and stuff coming at you. 
Yes. A really big weakness the orc arcing has is it's super tempo sensitive. It is. If you control the tempo in an orc game, they lose. Yes. I find that is often, you know, killing characters, very critical, obviously, Mm -hmm. but also controlling their tempo and movement, as well as when they get to engage you, is pretty big. Yes, Um, that when part is critical, because if you can take an orc army piecemeal, it just folds. Right. That's a lot harder to do these days with to jump and other things, but it's still definitely doable because they can only to jump one squad. They, you know, so if they have four squads of boys, one of them's coming at you. The question is, what are the other three doing and how can you control that? Exactly. Um, and I think a really critical part of that is that you can't just kill one squad per turn. You do need to be killing one squad per turn. And if your army doesn't have the firepower to clear out a full 30 boys each turn, you need to be looking at your army again, because that's just something you need to be able to do now. Yep. You're gonna face it. Mm -hmm. You're gonna face it, and it's not just orcs. It's also Imperial Guard. It's also Gene Stealer Cult. It's also Chaos. There are so many armies that have the kind of, like, big blobs of infantry that you need to be able to handle that, like, it's not just orcs that are gonna roll you if you can't. Yes. So a a thing I've observed with units of boys, and I've heard Josh tell stories of, is once those 30 boys are starting to get look at like 15 or so, they're a lot less threatening. They just don't have the bodies to be a threat anymore. And orcs are exponential in how effective that goes for them. Absolutely. Not only is there the, the plus one attack bonus for being over 20 boys, but also there's just things like the difference between three squads of five boys and one squad of 15 is almost incalculable. Night and day. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because three squads of, fi- of five boys will charge into a gun line and die before ever getting there. One squad of 15 probably can get in. One squad of 30 definitely can get in. Will get in. So mm-hmm. you do need to be looking at killing full units because of Green Tide. Um, you cannot leave a squad of Orc Boys at one model. Yes. Another fun little trick is is the double whittle on morale. Yes. That's what I like to call it. So it's where you take two three squads and you get them both to about 15 so they can't Green Tide them. But now they have to use crap leadership for both, and they'll both lose morale no matter what. So you you have to be careful with that, because if you kill 15 each from the two of them, then they take morale, they'll pass on one, and then the other one they'll green tide. Yep, exactly. Mm -hmm. So you have to be very careful how you kill orcs, but whittling them down like that is very important, because if you kill like three, four, five, six orcs out of a squad of 30... You're not getting rid of the squad, but you're also not bringing them down to the point where they'll be able to green tide you. Yes. And you've set yourself up for a future turn where now the orcs have probably killed some of your firepower, but you don't need to kill 30 boys, you need to kill 20 boys instead. And that is a much easier job to do. Mm-hmm. And doing those little, like, chipping away in the earlier turns of the game. Yes, by all means, kill that one unit of 30, because you have to. You cannot leave them at one. But get those other squads down to 25, or maybe even 20 if you're really lucky. Make sure you do keep in mind what those morale shenanigans they can do are, and keep an eye on that. But chip off those couple extra bodies so that you can save yourself some trouble in a future turn. Yes. The other thing to know about orcs is they eat through their CP like crazy. They use a lot of CP because you think about it, like, if you get a squad down to, like, two boys, 
They're going to have to spend two to auto-pass morale. They're going to have to spend three to green tide. They're probably going to want to be spending three to fight again. They're going to be wanting to spend some pregame for extra powers or relics. They have a lot of really good stratagems, but the flip side of that is they are so hungry for CP. Yeah, they cost a lot. Yeah, they. it's like you very commonly see orcs starting with a triple battalion and then burning it all by turn two or three. Yeah. It's ironic because one of the things that, you know, you, you mentioned the high CP cost on them. We were talking earlier about how the ability to isolate their characters and that of that value and the ability to mess with their psychics here and there. It's it's ironic that, you know, the, the more we talk about this, one of the, I guess, one of the strongest things you can do if you happen to be running a Pyrrhum is to bring that one assassin where you just get to pick one you want. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like, any of these abilities. Like, I mean, the Calidus, you were talking about this, and you're right. I mean, the Orc army will normally burn through 15-plus CPs in the first two turns. And if a Calidus is on the table, they might, I mean, shit, they'll, they'll be out by the bottom of turn one. It's very possible for a Calidus to eat three, four, five, six CP on their first turn because mm-hmm. they do need to be popping a lot of strata jumps. And that can be very problematic for them. If you can run them out of CP before they get a chance to green tide, right? great. That's huge right there. Because they do need to be playing the whole game down 3 CP for green tide, essentially. Yeah. That can be a big problem for them. Sometimes they just have to suck it up and be like, well, I guess I don't get to green tide this game. Oh, I've got Vect. No. Right. So yeah, not only making them spend save CP, but also baiting them, as we've talked about in the past. Forcing them to spend CP on stuff they don't really want to early can have a huge effect on their game. Mm-hmm. I think the other really key thing that I've found with orcs is because they are a combat army, controlling their charges and making sure you have screens set up appropriately. That is really, really big. Yeah. Yes. In the Math Hammer episode, we talked about, like, having more than your opponent ends the thing faster. Yes. If you set it up so the orc player has to take disadvantage charges every single turn, not sustainable. Yeah, con- controlling the tempo against an orc army is the single greatest key to being able to beat it. Yeah, very much so. They typically will not get to engage you with their whole army at once. It'll be one piece at a time. And, you know, maybe that piece might mean two squads, but unless you have really screwed up, they shouldn't get to engage you with four squads of orc boys on that first turn. So that tempo of controlling when and where the engagements happen is huge, and screens are how you're going to do that. Now, your screens you do have to be careful with because orcs are very, very good at making nine-inch charges off the deep strike. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, They're like the best at that. And they love wrapping up units so they can't be shot at. So, you need to be careful and either have flying screens or screens that otherwise cannot be wrapped Mm -hmm. or screens that you're okay with getting wrapped because there are certainly some of those. But if you are screening, you need to make sure it's with appropriate units and that it's in appropriate places because you need to look at the beginning of the game and say like, okay, where am I going to engage them first? Because you need to sort of pick an order of battle for all of that and decide when and where you're gonna make those combats happen. Also, on note of, uh, since orcs do a lot of stringing and careful, like, cross-combat shenanigans, they certainly can, a well-placed heroic intervention can mess up a lot of their pile-in. Yes, make sure you know the rules for pile-in and charges and all of that, because uh, you can can control their movement a lot with appropriate use of heroic intervention and whatnot. 
Mm -hmm. And that's especially important for combat armies. There are armies out there that can beat orcs in a straight fight. Yep. Mm -hmm. So if you are one of those armies that has that potential, make sure you know how you're engaging them and how that's going to go. Don't charge two units into an orc army because they're you're going to fight with one and they're going to interrupt and kill the other one. Yes. Three units can be okay, especially if you're looking to drain CP from them or you have very resilient units, but two units is just suiciding unit for no reason. Mm -hmm. And by the same token, kind of like Shailen mentioned with the heroic intervention, make sure that if you have units that the orcs want to charge, that you can make those charges difficult for them. If you place yourself within an inch of one of your other units, that other unit will get to fight if they charge the thing the orcs want to go after. And there are some units orcs do not want to fight. As Justin laid down in, in one of the previous episodes, Gene Stiller cult, I don't want to get close to the aberrants. Yes, aberrants are uh, a very good example of something like that, because they'll just clean out a whole unit orc boys with no trouble at all. Anything with two-up saves is also a big problem for orcs. They huh. don't have a lot of ways to handle two-up saves, especially high-toughness two-up saves. Yeah. Uh, anything with T5 or higher and a two-up is just a nightmare for orcs. I've seen Dread Knights just wade through 30 blob boys by themselves. I'm like, this is going to take a couple turns, but I'm going to kill five turn. You can't stop me. Yep. And that's very true for like big monsters like the Dread Knight mm -hmm. or the Lord Discordant. It's true for Terminators of a variety of different kinds, as well as characters with two up saves. Yeah. There are a lot of things that can give orcs a rough time if they have really good armor, because orcs just don't have a lot of ways to handle that. Yes, uh, I watched a Grandmaster literally pop five orcs, no, ten, it was eleven orcs every turn for multiple turns, and the guy could not kill the Grandmaster. Mm -hmm. He did nothing to that guy. Yeah, yeah, that's wounding on fives and a two-up is just, it's real rough for them. Mm -hmm. And that is also the flip side of units like the shock attack gun, especially the relic version, and Ludas and stuff like that. Orcs are very random army. They have a lot of dice rolls. If you think about like that shock attack gun, you got to roll strength, you got to roll number of shots, then you got to actually roll a hit and a wound, and then you have to roll damage. It's a lot of dice. Yeah. That's like six points of failure right there. And if any one of those go poorly for you, the unit does basically nothing. Yep. Mm -hmm. They are extremely vulnerable to that kind of randomness. Even their basic units, like, we talked about how they tend to, like, cleave average with their dice with shooting and melee, which is true, but they are very reliant on charging, and charges can be very binary. You either get in or you don't. Yes, and, and a fail charge can just cripple an orc army. Absolutely. It only takes one. You're five inches away, you roll the double ones, and you're like, well, that's okay, I've got, here we go, I'll just re-roll both dice, and you get double ones again, you're in trouble. Uh -huh. That is an orc player's worst nightmare right there, because now they are sitting out completely naked, ass to the wind, in front of this gun line. Mm-hmm. Boom. Yes, uh, because usually what happens after that is the unit they declare the charge with just evaporates. Yes, because as we said, orcs are relatively fragile. It doesn't take a lot to knock them off the table. Nope. And once you actually start making them roll real morale checks they will lose bodies very quickly. When they are de-jumping those units across the table and you kill 11 of them, suddenly it starts looking a lot less good for them because like, oh, 
I don't have a war boss nearby. I don't have a pain boy nearby. I don't have all these support characters that mm-hmm. are giving me a hundred different kinds of bonuses, and I don't have another unit of orcs to leech their leadership either. Yeah. Isolated orc units are much easier to deal with than the ones that are part of the pack. And it starts to wear down. I mean, like you said, once they start losing that steam, it, they, they lose quickly. Mm-hmm. They do. By turn four or so, if you have eliminated most of those boys, the orc army has probably kind of given up its teeth. Yes. They're down to Gretchen and characters very often. Gretchen? I don't, don't Bolter's wound Gretchen on two ups? Oh, they do. Gretchen are toughness two with a six up armor save. They are about as fragile as it's possible to be in this game. They don't even have the added bonus of, like, Nurglings do where they have multiple wounds. No, they just die. And they have really bad leadership and don't benefit from most of the buffs that orcs give out. Units of Gretchen are comically fragile. Eldar wound them on threes. That's just, like, that's a bad place to live. (laughs) Yes. Um, I regularly charge units of Guardians into Gretchen and just shred them in combat. Because they're also bad in combat in addition to everything else. Oh yeah, no, Gretchen are disposable. They are. That's why they're so cheap. Um, but they are a unit, so they can still hold board space, and orcs often use them that way. It's just that in the late game, when they're down to mostly just Gretchen, their army is no longer nearly as scary. No. Well, and that's, the, I mean, at the end of the day, that's their job, though. I mean, that's what they're there for. Yep, they're there to be cheap and disposable. Mm-hmm. Alright, so I think we've covered most of the the major stuff about orcs. We kind of looked at what they do well, what they do poorly, and the things you should really be watching out for to take advantage of when you run into this orc army. Obviously, there are many different kinds of orcs, as we talked about at the top of the episode. Mm -hmm. Some of them are going to be fairly different from this build, and we didn't really talk as specifically about the, the exact details of this army as we have some of the others, because it has a fair amount of variability. Once you kind of know how boys work, how Gretchen work, and how their character support works, you have a pretty solid grasp on how the army as a whole plays, I think. Yes. Also, the last thing is, don't scream log at tournaments, please. Oh, Jesus. Oh, God, I hate that. Please don't. You know, orc orc players, I love you guys. You're, You're all great fun. You have the best conversions in the world. Don't scream in the middle of a tournament hall. It stops every game around you for 50 feet as everyone has to wait for you to finish your wog. I have lost games because I've been startled by that, and that's not really okay with me. So please don't. Yeah. If you're at a narrative event, sure. Have a blast. That's what it's for. But in a tournament where people are trying to play games, it's really inconsiderate. Thank you. So, if you have any other questions, or you would like to ask us about an orc army, or need some help with your orc army, or if you just want to type a very, very long wog into a text box rather than shouting in a tournament, we'll accept that. Uh, (laughs) Then you can go ahead and email us. We are inthefinesthour at gmail.com. We also have a Facebook group and Patreon, both of them also in the finest hour. And if you subscribe to our Patreon for at least five bucks a month, then you can join up with our super fancy dancy Discord server where we chat with all kinds of folks, help them with lists, post our hobby progress, maybe put up some memes now and again. Uh, and you'll also get access to our crosstalk episodes a month before everyone else does. We're getting about one of those every two weeks right now. Yep, that's what it's going to be. And so those are kind of our little bonus episodes where we do a lot of interviews, chatting about other things with 
you know, stuff outside the scope of our, our normal talks here that is a little bit more casual and a little bit more kind of just, like, aimed at people who want something fun to listen to. Also featuring Exhausted Shay, usually. Yes, fairly often. Speaking of folks who help sponsor us, I would like to give a shout out to Dank Muse, who has provided the intro in our intermission episode for this episode. He is a very cool dude. Uh, you can check him out on YouTube, SoundCloud, or Spotify. I'd like to thank Rylan Woodrow, who you can find on Instagram and Facebook. He is our artist and awesome general person. And Stephanie J- uh, Sherman for doing our t-shirts. Yeah, she's a Sherman now. Yes. Well, I'd definitely like to throw a holler to anybody that is interested in wanting to advertise on the show. Please do not hesitate. Contact us at any one of the contact methods that Sean just mentioned above. Probably the best one is the email in the finest hour at gmail.com. But don't hesitate. If you if you want to, you know, throw your, you have a tournament that you want to kind of throw some info out or, you know, you want to just get any level of sponsorship or advertisement, please don't hesitate. Reach out. We'll see what we can do. Awesome. Sherwin, what do we got next week? Heroic Intervention. Ah, the podcasts! Oh, heck yeah. Oh, oh, you meant the rule that characters have. It can be both. We're probably not going to be having the podcast folks on. I think we're going to mostly talk about rules. Uh, yeah, the, the statistical probability of hunting down Andrew or Chad is very, very low. Though, yes. hearts out to them. Yep, yep, both cool dudes, good friends of the show, but... I think next week we are going to talk about sending your characters into fights where your opponent doesn't want them to be. True story. Which is most of the time. Yes. So, for In the Finest Hour, I've been Sean Morgan. Shailen Allen. And Josh Depp. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 